Well, we continue in our series on children's books and their message and how that ties in with the Bible. And, and one of the first books recommended for this series was the book Dragons Love Tacos by Adam Rubin and Daniel Salmieri. And our director of communications, John Ward, back there, uh, came up with this 2012 New York Times bestseller. But I wonder if he was just trying to stump me. Because Dragons Love Tacos has very little plot and no discernible lesson beyond not feeding dragons spicy salsa. I mean, listen to this. Begins this way. Hey, kids, do you know that dragons love tacos? They love beef tacos and chicken tacos. They love really big, gigantic tacos and tiny little baby tacos as well. Why do dragons love tacos? Maybe it's the smell from the sizzling pan. Maybe it's the crunch of the crispy tortillas. Maybe it's a secret. Either way, if you want to make friends with dragons, tacos are key. Hey, dragon, why do you guys love tacos so much? Oh, but wait. As much as dragons love tacos... They hate spicy salsa even more. They hate spicy green salsa and spicy red salsa. They hate spicy chunky salsa and spicy smooth salsa. If the salsa is spicy at all, dragons can't stand it. Why do dragons hate spicy salsa? Well, just one drop of hot sauce makes a dragon's ear smoke. Just one single speck of hot pepper makes a dragon snort sparks. Spicy salsa gives dragons, dragons the tummy troubles. And when dragons get the tummy troubles, oh boy. Now it turns out that, that dragons also love parties. And most of all, they love taco parties. And the kid decides to throw a taco party for the dragons. It says, it's a good thing you got rid of all that spicy, wait a second, what are those little green things in the salsa? You didn't read the fine print. And if you can't read the fine print, on the mild, totally mild salsa, it, it says, now with spicy jalapeno peppers. <laughs> well, he tries to stop the dragons from eating the tacos with the spicy salsa, but it's too late. Their volcanic reaction to the little specks of jalapeno in the salsa burned the kid's house down. <laughs> yes. Well, thanks, John. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with this story? I mean, the Bible doesn't say anything about tacos or salsa. And, and Revelation does mention uh, the image of a dragon for Satan, but I'm not going to say that this kid's book is some sort of satanic verse. What am I going to do? Well, you had me stumped for a while. But then I realized the biblical tie-in is not in the dragons or the tacos. It's in the jar of salsa. 
that totally mild salsa would have been perfect for the dragons, except it has now been contaminated by almost unnoticeably small specks of jalapeno peppers. And the dragons are violently allergic to them. Anyone who has a food allergy knows how critical it is to read the fine print on the labels. Because even the smallest speck of the allergen can trigger catastrophic results. It may not cause you to belch fire, but it might cause something even worse, anaphylaxis. According to the Mayo Clinic, anaphylaxis is a severe life-threatening allergic reaction. It can happen seconds or minutes after you've been exposed to something you're allergic to. Peanuts or bee stings are examples. In anaphylaxis, the immune system releases a flood of chemicals that cause the body to go into shock. Blood pressure drops suddenly and the airways narrow, blocking your breath. If it isn't treated right away, it can be deadly. If you have food allergies, carefully read the labels of all the foods you buy and eat, says Mayo. Manufacturing processes can change, so it's important to periodically recheck the labels of the foods you commonly eat. The kid didn't do that. The mild salsa now has jalapenos in it, and the results were catastrophic. So what's the tie to the Bible? It's the biblical concept of holiness and purity, of being free of sin. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, In the past you did not understand, so you did the evil things you wanted. But now you are children of God who obey. So do not live as you lived in the past, but be holy in all that you do, just as God is holy. God is the one who called you. It is written in the scriptures, you must be holy because I am holy. The Bible calls us to holiness, to reflect God. And just as sin is, has nothing to do with God, we are called to have nothing to do with sin. In 1 John it says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. And then in verse 5 it says, but you know that he, Christ, appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No sin in Jesus, so no sin in us is our goal. Ephesians 1.4 says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. But that's not the way that most of us live, is it? And I'm afraid, it, I find it all too easy to justify little bits of sin in, in my life as long as they aren't too egregious or too obvious. And it operates by the uh, pretty good standard. God I'm 99% sin-free. And what sins I do commit aren't really that big. Really, they're, they're almost nothing at all. No harm, no foul, right? I mean, actually, God, compared to other people, I'm pretty good. Oh, it's so easy to shoot for pretty good. 
But God didn't save us to be pretty good. He saved us to be like him, to be holy. As 2 Timothy 1.9 says, he saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything that we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. God saved us to be jalapeno-free, so to speak. Or, to put it more biblically, to be yeast-free. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul writes, Stop being so proud of yourself. Don't you know how a little yeast can spread through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast. Then you'll be like fresh bread made without yeast. And that is what you are. Our Passover lamb is Christ, who has already been sacrificed. So don't celebrate the festival by being evil and sinful, which is like serving bread made with yeast. But be pure and truthful and celebrate by using bread made without yeast. A little bit of leaven, a little bit of yeast spreads through the whole batch of dough. And now normally this is what we want. I mean, we want our bread to rise, but not here. Because here Paul is comparing the unleavened bread of Passover to our lives today. When God led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, they ate the Passover lamb with unleavened bread. Bread with no yeast in it, no, no leaven, like matzah bread or those, uh, those communion wafers. And every year, as they celebrated their fresh start in freedom, they were instructed to remove all the old raised bread from their homes and to start over fresh with only unleavened bread for a week's time. Listen to God's instructions in Exodus 12. For seven days you are to eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, remove the yeast from your houses. For whoever eats anything with yeast in it from the first day through the seventh day must be cut off from Israel. Wow. I mean, that's, that's pretty serious. But even to this day, the Jews take this command seriously. To the observant Jews, they will scour their house before the Passover to make sure that they find every single crumb of old leavened bread called hametz. You're supposed to sweep the floors, you're supposed to sweep out every drawer, clean out the refrigerator, check every pockets, vacuum every crevice in your couch, all to remove the hametz from your home, that yeast bread, that leavened bread. If you can detect it, you must remove it. You want to enter Passover with a clean slate. So Paul says, likewise with Jesus, our Passover lamb, we need to clean out all those old crumbs, all those old sins, leaving not a speck, and replace it with the unleavened bread of purity and truthfulness. There is no acceptable level of sin. If you can detect it, you need to remove it or it will spread just like yeast in a loaf and affect everything. And the effect could be as catastrophic as jalapenos to a dragon or as deadly as anaphylaxis to someone with an allergy. Just a little bit 
can be a big problem. I don't know if you heard about the problem with the water in Hastings. We have uh, some chemicals in our water that uh, have made them declare uh, the fish in Lake Rebecca down by the bridge unfit to eat. And uh, maybe something that will impact you even more is that all of our water will need to be specially uh, treated uh, in the coming future and it will cost tens of millions of dollars. Uh, I don't know if you've got the, uh, the latest uh, uh, edition of the, the news from the town, uh, but it talks about PFAS, P-F-A-S, which stands for per and polyfluorinated alkyl substances, which are these so-called forever chemicals. They've seeped into our water tables and PFAS cause liver problems, thyroid problems, diabetic issues, birth defects, cancer. It is nasty stuff. And there is really no safe level of consumption. The tiniest bit can cause a problem. So new regulations are coming next year that will basically say that all our drinking water has to be treated to the lowest level that can be reliably detected. And that's four parts Per trillion. Now, to give an idea what this is like, one drop in a 24-foot 24 24-foot 24 swimming pool is about one in a billion. So one drop in a thousand swimming pools is one in a trillion. Most of the wells in Hastings have more than four parts per trillion. And so to remove to remove those chemicals, we will need to build three new water treatment plants uh, now estimated to cost $69 million and about a million a year to run those plants, all to remove just the tiniest little trace of PFAS. That's how seriously our city is taking that pollution. Well, Jesus takes sin just as seriously. He wants new life for us. Holy, undefiled lives that lead to freedom. So he says, root out even the smallest of sins. You've probably uh, heard of the Sermon on the Mount and uh, the Beatitudes and things like that. Uh, we all love those. But do you remember his hard statements about sin? in the Sermon on the Mount? You read them and you think, Jesus, ease up a bit. I mean, you're getting a little carried away. Those little sins are no big deal. But they are to Jesus. He says in the fifth chapter of Matthew, you've heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder. And whoever murders shall be liable for judgment. But I say to you, if you're angry with a brother or sister, you'll be liable for judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you'll be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you'll be liable to the hell of fire. Wow. Talk about tiny little specks of sin. Or how about this? You've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully 
has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And uh, I know it just mentions women here, but uh, women, do you really think that Jesus wouldn't apply this to guys as well? Or there's this. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Hate, even for our enemies, can poison our hearts and lead to catastrophe, just as sure as feeding jalapenos to dragons. Even little specks of sin can spread like yeast in the dough, and so the Bible tells us to be holy, just as God is holy. Skip the jalapenos of sin and live a good, free, and healthy life. So, John, how's that? I guess there is a lesson in dragons love tacos. But before we uh, end today, we should probably uh, read the end of the book. After those specks of jalapeno have caused the dragons to accidentally burn down the kid's house, the dragons pitch in to rebuild it. And the book asks the question, why would dragons help you rebuild your house? Maybe they're good Samaritans. Maybe they feel bad for wrecking it. Maybe they're just in it for the taco break. <laughs> After all, dragons love tacos. <laughs> so that raises the question of, about our motivation. Why are we trying to live a holy life? Why do we do the good that we do and, and avoid even the little sins? Is it to follow Jesus and live out his teachings like the story of the Good Samaritan? Or is it just because we don't want to feel guilty? Is it because God has called us to be his children and we want to strive to be like our Heavenly Father? Or is it because we think God will give us something like taco break? I don't know why the dragons in the story helped to rebuild the house. I mean, after all, dragons aren't real, and this is just a children's book. But sin is real, and our calling to be children of God is real. And the two really don't go together. So let's turn to God, for it's only by the power of God at work in us that we can avoid even those little green specks of sin. Our holiness comes from God. It's a gift. It's something that, that we can't do or earn on our own. And so let me leave you with this encouragement from the second chapter of Philippians. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky.
and to hold firmly to the word of life. So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault. Let us pray. Oh, holy God, you've called us to be your children. And so help us to strive to follow in your footsteps, to sweep out the crumbs of, of hatred and, and sin in our lives that would act like yeast and flow through us. Instead, make us pure and holy, spotless and unblemished. We know this comes only through your power. Even the ability to want to be like you has to come from you. So we thank you. We thank you for being at work in our lives. And we trust that, that you will see us home because we are your children. Lord, we don't know much about dragons. And we know that tacos are good. But most of all, we know that you are good. So it really doesn't matter what motives the dragons have. What matters is our desire to love you. 